Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who couldn't find a store that sold balaclavas. It's unfortunate. So uh, instead you wore some sort of weird flappy mask. You see. I I was thinking of just painting my face <laughs> uh, and hoping that that worked. I figured if I used a deep enough matte black, um, I'd look racist. Uh, so I was going to go with red, but then I thought, well, they're just, they'll be able to tell. And that's also kind of racist. Yeah, there's, so, a, there's really not a I, lot of colors in the sort of normal color spectrum that you could do that's just not going to come off as racist. Yeah. I was thinking of green uh, and then wear like foil on my head. And then he'd, the guard would just say, oh, we got robbed by aliens. Uh, and then, you know, obviously he'd go to prison. Uh, because everyone would just say, oh, he robbed the place. Right, yeah, he, he's no just aliens. accusing aliens because, you know. Yeah. It's a, not a very good cover story. No, those those masks, though, they're atrocious. I can't deal with them. They are, I don't know what the fuck those atrocious. things are. They made me so upset. They're like uh, the equivalency of tying a bandana around your lower face, but then sewn onto... Uh, <laughs> like a bad masquerade a, mask? Uh, uh, a bad masquerade mask. No, it like, and they do close-ups of their face, and so we're supposed to read them as serious, yeah. like. But yeah. and and maybe I don't know for an audience of the time in the place, maybe they do. Maybe that was the go-to mask for French robbers. I'm not sure. But like for me, every time they did a zoom in on the face, I was like giggling to myself. <laughs> like this is ridiculous looking. Yeah. I mean, it is. Uh... It is more identity concealing than your normal domino mask that that classic criminals always wear, just the, the strip across the eyes. Well, right, right. Well, you mean like the cartoon criminals wear. Um, yes. Yeah, I know. But like, I'm just, yes, that's true. Uh, because that essentially does nothing. But no, nonetheless, this was, I mean, it did cover the identity. It just also made them look ridiculous. Okay, obviously, obviously, within the realm of fiction, uh, any method to conceal your identity has to work, uh, unless right. Unless that's part of the conceit, right? Not I work. mean, that's just part of the way it's it part works, of the right? I mean, like, look at every superhero but, ever. Yeah, honestly, what part of the face do people think is the recognizable part of the face? Where just covering the top of your head uh, works, but leaving your nose and chin. Um, well, completely it's uncovered. not. It's not the. I mean, is it supposed to uh, mentally? Do do people just assume that you need the whole picture to recognize someone? Because I, I recognize it, people by like the shape of their head. That's true. Not. That's true. But if it's somebody you don't know, I'm saying I recognize people by other ways. The, the eye, the eye area is most significant in people's the recognition of each other. But that being said, if you have 89 percent of the rest of it. You're probably a good. Yeah. You can probably figure it out. Oh, wait. I recognize that mole or that stubble. Yeah. And obviously Superman, the whole thing's a joke anyway. Right. But. Um... Well, I mean, yeah, at that, at that point, you're literally talking about the way you comb your hair and glasses. Uh, yeah. Although in many ways, I would say that Superman's is more convincing in a certain sense because it's a lot about about demeanor and, and the way he holds himself. Yeah. Which is always a problem when See, like, when Clark Quint when uh, yeah, Clark yeah, Kent gets heroic in certain versions of the story, then it falls apart. When Clark Kent yeah. is like a total like weenie, 
it's it's all mental, right? Everybody says it can't be Clark Kent yeah. because that's that's ridiculous. Because he's a weenie, he's a weenie. <laughs> and this guy can stop bullets with his chest. So uh, these can't be the same person. It's all mental, yeah. which I can almost buy better to a certain extent, because then yeah. it really fits into sort of the psychology of of self, like of just sort of you yeah. know refusing to accept that these two people could be the same person, right? I'm going to misattribute it because uh, I can't remember where I saw it, but there was—I feel like it was probably college humor uh, skit, but I really can't remember. But there is a bit where uh, uh, Batman and Jim Gordon are having a conversation, and Gordon takes off his glasses, and and suddenly Batman has no idea who he is. <laughs> That's pretty great. So this week we're talking about Le Cercle Rouge. Uh, I am better at pronouncing French than Japanese. Yes, you are. I'm very proud. Of it. But, and I'm much worse. Of course, you you don't know enough about French to know whether That's or not I'm pronouncing That's also true. It right. I'm good in the um, Department of Japanese and German fairly well. But anything on beyond that, then you're just essentially, uh, you could say anything. You could say Magumbo. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, that's probably right. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, means the red circle. Sure it does. Uh, just like Magumbo means, yeah. like, whatever, some big ape or Swahili for passion, I but think. But bullshit. It's thrown out. Does not. 1970 uh, French-Italian crime film. Uh, I don't actually know what Italian is involved with this. It's it's marked as a French-Italian uh, film. That's I weird. Really? That a production they, they, company. Like, was, where's the, where's the yeah. Italian come in? I assume that it was an Italian production company. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, because it's it is yeah it is made it is shot principally or at least uh, uh, set principally in Paris. Uh, it is all in French. Um, maybe some of the country locations are outside of yeah. I may have been, uh, are filmed in Italy for some reason, but I don't imagine that. Well, they you are. know, it may have been <laughs> a spaghetti western thing where they where it's like, well, it's cheap. Italy's cheap. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I don't maybe. know you know what I mean like they may have just been like well we'll use Paris for like the things that have to be in Paris and then everything else will shoot in, in Italy yeah I mean, even even the producer is uh, Robert Dorfman Robert Dorfman um, is is French um, it's I think you're right also, I think it's probably also, just a money thing I, I yeah. assume like the production yeah like, probably been paid for. He also uh, also produced Tati's Traffic, uh, for what it's worth. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Another, but of course, producers, producers don't always have anything, very yeah. interesting. Uh, Producer yeah. doesn't mean a damn thing. <laughs> it's whatever he thinks will make money. It doesn't really. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's anyway, why. That's why whenever this... you see an advertisement, it's like produced by so and so. You're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. This is uh, directed uh, by Jean Pierre Melville. Uh, we've seen one Melville film previously. Uh, that was uh, Bob Le Flambeur, also a heist film, uh, though very different sort of heist film. Yeah. Which is weird. Um, Melville was known for his film noir. Um, 
And yeah, he made he made a lot of gangster movies. Um, when we talked about Bob Flambeau, we talked about Melville, and I think he's come up a couple of other times. Uh, for instance, with Rafifi, he probably came up because he was originally slated to direct Rafifi, uh, which I think is probably our favorite heist film. Oh, it de- um, n- n- not not think it definitely is. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. But uh. But Melville. Uh, Took the name Melville because he liked Herman Melville so much, but he took it during while uh, fighting with the French Resistance. Oh yeah, we talked uh, about that, and, and he essentially gave himself the nickname. Yeah, he he pulled uh, one of those guys where like he basically thrust the nickname upon people. You're gonna call no, me this? No, no, my code name is Melville now. No, like God, this you don't guy. you don't get to pick your own code name. I do. This is the French Resistance. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> I'm resisting everything. <laughs> Including your <laughs> shitty nickname, your shitty code names. Yeah, <laughs> his original code name was probably just Charles. Yeah, <laughs> or or I, I I'm going to go out of limb and say he was probably not a very useful member. So he was probably just like that, that annoying <laughs> guy. <laughs> well, we'll, we, we'll pretend no that's idea. true I, and not I'm, investigate. I'm, I'm, I joke. I have no idea. He could have been very vital. Yeah. Uh, the film starts off with a fake Buddha quote that makes no sense. Yeah, whatsoever. no, don't get it. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on right now? Yeah. I really struggled uh, with that. Uh, the epitaph is uh, Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, drew a circle with a piece of red chalk and said, When men, even unknowingly, are to meet one day, whatever may befall each, whatever the diverging paths on that said day, they will inevitably come together in the red circle. Right, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. Could, in fact, like, within the, the quote, it tells on? you it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It's like, whatever the circumstances coming in, and whatever the circumstances leaving, uh, not necessarily bad, uh, but they're going to meet in the red circle. <laughs> whatever the fuck that is. Yes. There is one literal red circle in the film, uh, mm-hmm. which is the, the chalk circle on the billiard ball on the billiard cue um i am so unfamiliar with the rules of pocketless pool games oh no uh, i don't even i my brain shuts off whenever because every so often you'll see them in like film and stuff yeah and i'm like nope not happening i'm gonna pretend they're just playing <laughs> regular pool because <laughs> i don't want to deal with it so i'm I, so culturally I I believe the idea is that you have to hit a certain number of uh, bumpers or possibly hit your ball and then your opponent's ball in yeah, order to probably. score a point. Uh, he, does, he does each with each shot. And we get that classic, uh, classic pool overhead shot <laughs> eventually. I think, I, think it, oh. I think it is something like you need to do both. You need to, you need to yeah. hit it off of something and hit your, par- your opponent or something. But like... Yeah. I don't know. I assume it's some sort of weird cross between like pool and croquet. <laughs> Essentially, but again, no goal. Right. Uh, there's no. There's nowhere in particular you're trying to get the balls. Right. Um. Yeah, I can't even remember the general name for for pocketless pool games. Um. Uh, it starts with a C, but I can't remember what it is. Well, I have no idea. I was. Um, that's not where I was going. So I don't know. Oh. What did you No, think? no, I isn't No, see that's the thing is I'm struggling. I can't remember. But like I feel like I know isn't there one that 
is really famous. I don't fucking know. Why are we talking about this? Carum. <laughs> C-A-R-O-M. It's not really that important. It's not. It's this not is what, this is a little is... game we call Pat and Adam Fall into Minutia. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, and I mean, the only... We get the title, visually, with that red circle. Uh, metaphorically, whatever Melville wants the red circle to be, I'm sure we get it multiple times throughout the film. Yeah, but since we don't know what it is, we're... I mean, yeah. since it's all a kind of disjointed mess... Well, there are... Okay. So there are a number of red circles. Oh, One, yeah. the 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 uh, image on the uh, cover is uses the tip uh, the barrel of a gun as a red circle. Um, there is the the wad of money after uh, Vogel yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, gets the are. jump on the other guys that he pulls out. Um, and just being right, shot, no, I get shot that there in the are heart, red circles, but, but the problem is, yeah. is we don't know what the red circle is. Yeah, I assume it, it's it like still a, means nothing. I, and I that, that fake quote, death, which, yeah. or you know what I mean, like a, a like a, a blood pact or something. Because if you look at the cover, at least yeah. the one on IMDb, there's three dudes. Oh in yes, the, red the, circle. the other cover with their faces and then the red circle on the ground. Now, mind you, then, covers uh, mean nothing. Um, no, but. It is my understanding, as best I can tell, because the quote is not helping. That no, the quote the, the quote, quote is actually is, is actually nonsense. obfuscating the whole thing and making it worse. Yeah, but it is my perception that the red circle is that sort of like because they all you know they die at the end and that's the red. I don't know. I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> but I, I assume it's somewhere in 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 that right. Like that these three these guys are in the red circle. Yeah. Whatever the red circle is. I'm sure the Buddha knows. I don't think he does. I'm sure the Buddha could come up with a great metaphor for a red circle if given the opportunity. Yeah. But uh but the one provided is not the Buddha. No. <laughs> it's not his. Um Uh this is a movie that starts off uh very similarly to our favorite movie. Uh Hudson Hawk, with a guy getting out of prison <laughs> being offered being offered a heist job by the guy letting him out of prison, <laughs> right? Not quite, not quite as a overt a relationship uh, in Hudson Hawk. It's his parole officer, whereas here it is a guard at the prison who we never see again. <laughs> well, right, like he's it's such a weird character in this movie. It's like, well, we got to kick this off and um, let's just make it a random dude. Yeah, this is a movie that is not interested in the conservation of characters. No, it's though. not. It loves um, random dudes. Yeah. Like, oh, we'll just throw them in there. One scene. Be done. And, like, even even in weird weird ways specifically designed to subvert expectations, clearly. And and maybe I'm grateful for that in a way. Like with, uh, with the girl. Um Right, you expect. Who, yeah. I don't even know if she gets. I don't think she has, gets a name. She, I don't, I, if she does, I don't um, know what it is. Yeah, Anna Duking is the actress's name. Um, but we get the pictures of her, and he wants to leave them uh, in the prison. Uh, so he knows he knows he's lost her. <clears throat> he goes to Rico's apartment, and subtly, there's indication that he knows she's there. Right. Uh, leaving the pictures with him certainly means that he knows they're involved. And he almost walks to the door, 
and you expect there to be some sort of confrontation and then he just leaves he takes the he takes rico's money and his gun and he walks out instead of confronting the girl um who has a nude scene because why not yeah uh <laughs> this is what 19 uh 1970 1970 so sure we can get away with that now so yeah she'll be naked Especially in this in France, movie for two I mean. for two minutes um and uh and then we never see her again <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, and that's true. I mean, it does, in some ways it's good. But then, like, you know, we're like, we just, yeah, there's a lot of, like, people who just kind of come on the scene just yeah. to. Do, Rico's henchmen are completely interchangeable, that's what I'm saying, but also yeah. often die. And, so. and that's what I'm saying. Like, those <laughs> guys especially, it's like, oh, you guys are our cannon fodder for this film, essentially. Yeah. 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 Yeah, this Melville is not interested in you know at least our main characters are all uh very clearly uh set people. We can easily tell the difference between them. Yes. Um guy with mustache, blonde guy who is in uh Orpheus. That's where I know him from. Did you really that's where you know him from. He's the he's the weird angel guy in in Orpheus. Um Yves Montand. Oh, I'm sorry, not Yves Montand. That's Jensen. Uh, Glenn Maria uh, Volante playing Vogel. But yeah, that's that's where you recognize him from. Orpheus. Like, this movie. Like, I'm, I'm rereading the synopsis. Yeah. And what I've realized is this movie suffers, does suffer from a problem, which I don't like it when movies do this, where, like, everything happens because of weird chance and qu- like a lot of stuff happens because <laughs> yes, like and i yes. hate it when it's like if like, you're why, gonna have to meet why up does, why not just have that be a plan why does Corey uh just automatically trust vogel um and why does vogel well okay sure honor among thieves all right Corey doesn't turn him into police so vogel has some trust and then vogel saves his life even though he already had the jump on those guys they didn't need to kill them nope uh, that is needless heat, and Corey should be mad about it. Um, uh, but sure, why not? Um, and uh, well, yeah. these these criminals run the gambit like at any given moment between like intensely like good at their job and like laughably incompetent. <laughs> yes. Yes, and, and, and shooting and these guys like that. definitely fits in the category of laughably incompetent. And then just leaving like, the bodies on the side of the road. It's like, you guys do understand that this is not going to make things easier, right? Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, at least, at least Volgo thinks to, uh, to make it look like they shot each other. Right, but um, that's pretty flimsy crap. But that is pretty flimsy crap, especially the way they drive away. Clearly, on a dirt, <laughs> dirt and gravel road, clearly, clearly... They're going to leave evidence that there was someone else there, right? Um, trudging around in the mud like that. Um, yeah, they make no no moves to cover their own tracks. Uh, yeah, that's but yeah, I also don't have I also love that our introduction our introduction to Corey is the uh, is the guard coming in and saying, "Common job, easiest job in the world. You're the only guy who can do it." Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, well, I mean, then, yeah, no, it's... 
And then it's a job that that he's not the only one in the world who can do it. In fact, in fact, he and Vogel are the least important aspect of that job. Oh yeah, right? I mean, like they're essentially just like, like it could walking be, in. It guys. could be, yeah, it could be anybody. You could literally train uh, a monkey to do their job. Yes, and he looked cuter doing it. Um, all they have to do is get get by security. Well, they don't uh, have to get I, by I security. Suppose don't they need to tackle security. They tackle security, tie him up. They need to get by the uh, the one lasers. The one, the, the one the, easy set of lasers. The one easy set of lasers. Well, let's be honest. Um, here, they're not lasers. They're just lights. Yeah, they're lights. They're infrared which, which, sensors. Right, which makes me think you could probably spoof it too if you wanted to. It's probably an easier way where you could just like shine a flashlight into the yeah receiver. i mean it just seems like regular light you could probably shine a yeah. light into the receiver and then kill the original light and just like have your you know what i mean yeah it doesn't seem very um, sophisticated yeah and then uh yeah we've got uh we've got jansen uh who is apparently a crack shot um and he proves that um but uh but has lost his nerve he's like uh He's like Gene Wilder's character in Blazing Saddles. <laughs> right. O- only, yeah, like, not meant to be a joke. Yeah, though he does provide uh, one of the most memorable sequences in the entire film uh, as he's suffering from his delirium tremors and uh, having nightmares about uh, being attacked by tarantulas and snakes. Yeah, I, I enjoy... And in a well, so what the problem <laughs> I had was... Is somehow my brain did not read those as like delirium. I was like, "What the yeah. fuck is going on here? <laughs> Why is this? Why are they doing this to this man?" There is uh, there's a very interesting quote uh, because this movie it is it is over two hours long, but there was a 99 minute cut that first made it to the U.S. Uh, in which uh, Vincent Canby. Uh, reviewing it in 1993 uh basically said uh a quote may baffle anyone coming upon him for the first time coming upon melville for the first time and i think it's probably baffling because it was a 99 minute cut of this right film. right um, if you cut if you got up half this movie yeah it's gonna be i baffling. don't even know what they would have cut out yeah and we I always mean, say that it. because no, everything yeah, yeah. seems I mean, important it's one of those weird things where I simultaneously know that the movie is there's also it's fairly slow paced despite supposed to be high energy like I can see all kinds of things that people might cut out but you're not going to make the the film more coherent that way Uh, because it's already on the edge. When you consider how many things happen by sheer coincidence, yeah, um, cutting you know any, we could successfully cut out elements out. Would the half hour from when Vogel escapes the train, yeah, uh, to say them arriving back in Paris, uh, and we could just let the audience assume there was a plan for them to meet, right? Well, and so, but that's the funny thing, uh, right? Is like. Yeah. In my mind, I basically have decided that I refuse to accept the scene. I've I've gone all Star Wars originally, <laughs> trill, or uh, you know, uh, on it, and have decided no, that's stupid. <laughs> and they just met up on purpose. 
Because, like, that's yeah. such a much more normal, better story than what we actually yeah. get in this movie, which is, like, you crawled into my trunk, and I've decided to be we could be best buds. Also, how would you like to make $100,000? Yeah, it's so fucking random. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, why? Just why? You could just, like, it's... It feels like they're just adding some random bit of, like, something different. Because everybody always has movies where they meet up. It's like, oh, we gotta do it differently. I know what we can do. We could have this dude climb into this dude's trunk. Yeah. They have to not know each other just to be... But it doesn't, like, it doesn't advance the story. It doesn't add tension to the relationship. Because they go from, like, dude I found in my trunk to best buds... Yeah, like, it overly complicates it for no reason. Right, I mean, because they, they, they have, by the time they're in Paris, they have the relationship that people who have known each other forever, who met up after one of them escaped from jail, would have. Yeah. And with Melville, you know, the last the last Melville we watched, the only other Melville we watched, Bob LaFlambeur, the entire climax, uh, you know, uh, undermines our expectations, right? Uh, because they don't end up pulling the heist. Bob goes into the casino the night before and just wins all the money. Right. Um, which is a, which then, is a fun twist. Fits which into is the category of like a fun way to subvert expectations. Yeah. It subverts the expectations in a fun uh, and creative way uh, that still ends poorly for him. Um, or at least for his friend. Uh, <clears throat> but, but, uh. Yeah, we still get all the tension of the planning the heist. Right, with the expectations to... we're going to have it, and then... Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, and that's fun. Completely... I mean, Bob LaFlambeur has other problems that make it not my, my favorite movie, yeah. but in general, that's a nice idea. That's a fun thing to do to your audience. Yeah, and that is an interesting way to say, look at all the th- ways this normally would play out. Let's let's be different. Right. Whereas Whereas this one just does not work. For me, well, that, that I don't particular, these that particular one just doesn't work at all. Like that one doesn't yeah. make. That's being different for the sake of being different, rather than being and having no yeah. practical effect on the and on obviously the, on the plot. Nineteen seventy, uh, Melville's second to last film. We're late enough into the noir game that a lot of stuff's been done. Right, but um, it's okay and I understand. to do the same thing. Yeah, but. You, what you do is you, you especially you, with a genre film, right? Um, well, and also you can just that's you what can makes do the them a genre. Thing. You can do the same thing and just like slightly to you know tilt it slightly, like, yeah. But this is an unnecessary change. It doesn't have right. any practical result on the story because, like I said, by the time they're in Paris, they act as they're though best buds known, anyway. It's yeah. had no effect on the relationship. They don't have arguments throughout the film where they're like they don't trust each other a hundred percent or something like that. It's just yeah. like oh no, we're we're. We're we're best bros. Yeah, and the only yeah the only place where where Vogel's backstory would be important never comes into play either. You know the fact that he knows uh, and would recognize uh, the police officer Matei. Right. No, it doesn't. I mean, uh, until the very, right, end, the very end, where it's significant he busts in, but he doesn't bust in because he saw Matei. That, there. I guess he that's busts true, in yeah. because yeah. he busts in because he just felt like something was wrong, and then when he breaks the window, right, and so then we know, and that's a weird. Obviously, he's I seen guess him. that's a like kind of 
a subversion of expectations, but like in a weird way because he should have busted in because he recognizes Mateo, but like he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, which is weird in and of itself because because we're not telling uh, Vogel's story at that point. Um, you know, uh, we're not inside his mindset. We're we've been following uh, Corey inside, so we don't know why he decides to get out of the car. We don't know why he suspects that something. No, up. yeah, he just why. And to me, it read as like totally he interrupts random. the scene. Yeah, it just he interrupts the scene. It, to me, it it's read a complete as, non sequitur. Yeah, it, to me, it read as a total. I was like, "Why is he here?" Yeah. Um. So. Plot. Plot is why he's there. Yeah, like <laughs> but, must must but get shot that, outside, no not inside. There's no justification. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it just it, it, there are a lot of choices made where I understand if there are choices made to just be different, but that doesn't justify them. Right, being different is, you have to have a reason. You can't just be different for the th- sake of yeah. saying, well, we did it differently than everybody else did it. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, you know. Like like other movies we've seen, this is a movie that spends a deliberate, silent amount of time with its heist. Which is something but, I love. Which is something I love. We love, we've talked about that with Rafifi. With uh, even big deal on Madonna Street, yeah, <laughs> where where we have the procedural of the crime, uh, but here, I mean, even big deal on Madonna Street had more tension than this. No, big yeah, the, the, there's Street no tension comedy. in the crime. Like that, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there, there's a tiny, 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 tiny bit, but yeah. it's really, I mean. I don't know they why build they don't, I don't at, know why they the aren't window. able to build it in this film. It just feels like they it's just it feels yeah. like it's happening rather than like it feels like and it's not just like they don't run into trouble. It's like it, there never seems to be any concern that there's going to be a problem. Yeah. And there's never Yeah. Like with Rafifi they had the uh the pressure alarm, right? Where they couldn't they couldn't uh, drill too quickly because it would shake the alarm. Right. Well, I thought. Whereas was, here yeah. we just have, yeah. or some, it's something. Something uh, like that. Here we just have those lights. Right yeah, but it, yeah, you're close enough. We have those lights, and we have the live security guard who stops them from coming into the window quite when they wanted to. But doesn't but, like pose but, an actual threat because they wait yeah. thirty seconds and it's like, oh, he's gone. Now. Yeah. And seems to stand up because he hears something happening outside the bathroom window at the bottom of the of the shaft. And I'm glad that the weakness of the uh, of the jewelry store was the bottom of the exhaust shaft. That's great um, because I like to make Star Wars references right. too. Uh, but uh, but but this guy stands up because he hears a noise. Barely investigates that right. noise. And then, and then when noise actually starts, ignores it. Right, and then, like, yeah, he, like, occasionally, like, makes the, like, the start of the motion. Like, oh, I'm going to get back up and go yeah. investigate because, like, it seems like something's yeah. happening. But then he doesn't, he does that, like, that thing that, like. Three or four times we keep cutting, right. and cutting like, we're back like, to him. And it's like, I guess they're trying to make us, like, you know, yeah. feel tense. But you're not, like, by the second time he does it, you're like, oh, he's not going to get up. The tension in Rafifi, the tension in Rafifi, uh, 
and even in Big Deal on Honesty, is the fact that the characters know they're in a t- tense situation. Right, and the it characters reads, know it reads, that they yeah, can be caught. Yeah, you can you can feel it, <clears throat> and we feel their tension. We feel their anxiousness. Right. Here, uh, Vogel and Corey have no reason to feel anxious uh, because they don't know how he's reacting. They know he's there, but but they don't they don't get to feel extra tension. If right, like if he had looks kept away coming from... back in, <laughs> yeah. and like investigating yeah. the window more and more, there would have been some yeah. tension there because you would see them seeing him, right? You'd be like, you know what I mean, where they would they would see his light shine again over the window, or they like barely get out of the way right before he he walks yeah. in or something. There's tension there, but but like, he can't he can't do that because of the way they're breaking into the window, right? Right, like as soon as because... he comes in after the window's broken, yeah, shit's over. Yeah, or as soon as but like as that would have been interesting. Scratches on here's the glass. a fun. Here's a fun one. He runs in. He comes in like after they've broken in and like sees what they're and doing. We start a little action. Sequence. Yeah, they have to chase him down before he can get to the alarm. Yeah, because he doesn't have alarm yeah. in his pocket. That's uh, we true. just made a better movie. Okay, done. <laughs> it would be very hard to convincingly get them through that window. Well, in I mean, time one of them would him. literally have to dive. But you could do yeah. you could. You could make that sequence happen. You could make a... Or he slips on the bathroom floor. Right. Or something. Um, it's not hard to come up with reasons why they could yeah. catch him. We're, yeah. we're not We're not in, like, impossible territory here. You know what my least favorite part of that entire sequence was? What? They get to the bottom of the shaft and put on their gloves. Yeah. They leave all the equipment they use to get to the bottom of the shaft. Which means that while they are very careful about not leaving any fingerprints, even on the window frame. Their shit is everywhere. They left a ladder, which they have touched every rung of. Yeah, no, there's, there, it's, it's, it's fingerprint central in this place. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Not that not that it ultimately matters because they're caught almost immediately. Well, and also, but like also <laughs> because the whole thing was a setup, right? The whole <laughs> thing was a setup, and there's and there's also a lot of other weird stuff because like when you think about it, like they're in a position, especially in Europe, where like they essentially just need to fence the shit and get the hell out of Dodge. So like fingerprints yep. aren't super duper important because essentially their entire plan relies on them moving so quickly that the police can't catch up with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the whole idea is, like, not set off an alarm so that you're already gone and have already fenced the ship by the time the police yeah. even are really even... You're already halfway to but fencing both... the stuff before you even the police even realize anything was stolen because yeah. you made it out of town and you, you know... But it doesn't go yeah. that way because it's a setup. Which is why, like, in Rafifi, uh, they try to fence everything outside of the city that they... You right, know, actually I mean, stole it in, which because that makes, makes more sense. sense. <laughs> but yeah. like you know, the other option, like what theoretically the proposal I think here is like you've got the the fence already set up, so you literally like are supposed to just be like dropping it off and like getting out of town like the same day. Yeah, yeah, which I can buy too. Well, it's fine, but which then, is obviously then fingerprints their plan. Aren't important. It's, which is obviously their plan, but then when that falls through. Um, and that's, is that where Rico comes back in? Does Rico convince the original yes, fence yeah. not to take the deal? Yeah. Um, as Rico's, as Rico's revenge, um, allowing them to fall into the trap set up by 
people unrelated to Rico because hello sheer coincidence again. Yep, good old um, coincidence. Uh, well, wait, wait, wait. But as soon as, it, as doesn't soon as, Rico go to see the inspector Mateo? Does Rico meet with Mateo? Yes, he I does. can't remember because it was he, a setup must, to get. Yeah. Because remember, Rico's son okay. was brought in for marijuana so the setup charges, is that but then it falls apart. No, that was Santi's son. Oh, you're right. Shit. Yeah, that was Santi, the nightclub owner. Well, shit. I don't know. Who, then it is who, just coincidence. Who, I was hoping it yeah, wasn't. Who facilitates the meeting with the with Matei Matei as uh, posing as the uh, new fence? Yeah. Well, shit. I mean, I was hoping yeah, it wasn't. As soon as just the first random, fence, but as, it's random. If Corey's got. If Corey's worth his salt at all, as soon as the fence fell through, the first fence fell through, he should have skipped town and tried to sell them in London. Right, and then or we get some bullshit Rome like or anywhere else. We get this like kind of BS where it's like, oh, we should go see. I forget yeah. what they. I forget the names and stuff, but like you know, I mean, they were like, let's go see Santi, and like, yeah, he'll hook us up, and it's like. You guys do realize you've already so like defeated the purpose of like moving quickly. Yeah, because now you guys are just yeah. The entire idea around. is to get out, then get out. You can fence them later. Yeah, get like out. it's jewels. I mean, it's not going to not <clears throat> sell in a year. Yeah, just bail. Just yeah. get the fuck out of Dodge and just do it later. And the and none of them have anything tying them to. No, to there's Paris no reason because like, they're already planning on leaving. Right, they could just like take the jewels with them. And yeah. just wait. You could, they could just sit on it for, for forever. Well, isn't that the yeah. plan in Rafifi? Is it wh- the plan in Rafifi? Because the I believe the, uh, yeah, the original fence run, falls through in Rafifi too, right? Um, because they uh, they piss off the wrong people, <laughs> right? But so it, they was it not, they can't fence them in. But it was so it wasn't Rafifi. But wasn't there one movie we watched where like. Their plan was like, oh, no, we don't use any of the money for a year. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm pretty sure that's Rafifi, okay. too. They weren't going to spend any of the money um, immediately. Uh, but but also, they they were still fencing them, right. I think, immediately. Well, I mean, you know, but they, like, you could... They ended up flying flying to London. I right, think, yeah, they do. I'm pretty sure, them. yeah. Um, or to Paris from... Because Rafifi is Italian. Yeah, they, they go somewhere um, from somewhere yeah. to somewhere. Yeah. Somehow, with something. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, generality. It's... <laughs> I, I, good, how general good. can now I that be? We're... That, that's that that sentence. Now that we're all caught up, um, <laughs> and we know what's going on because Pat gave us that fantastic. <laughs> I now you now all understand what Rafifi was. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just it's it's a bad. No, it's just when it's the plan not, well... starts to fall apart, they stop thinking. Um, right, but that fits into the category of, like, they're simultaneously competent and also just very bad at their job. Because yeah. the thing, the shooting the guys was the same sort of shit, where it's like, oh, as soon as the exactly. things get slightly tight, they just fall apart. Yep. Which is, you know, fine, they but, stop thinking but that, things makes, through. that makes our characters not that interesting, because we know what's going to happen to them at the end, which is, oh... Yeah. Things Which are is gonna what get happens a little uncomfortable, the and they're going to panic, and they're going to do something dumb. Yeah. Which they do. Yep. Well, I, I mean, I'm glad that Vogel has enough uh, loyalty to this guy he met two days ago. Yeah. Instant uh, best bud. To when he thinks things are going south, instead of just leaving. 
But that's the thing, right? Like, that makes that situation... Somebody is making noise in the house. (laughs) After being explicitly told that she has to be very quiet as she comes in during the recording. That's all right. Just dropping stuff. (laughs) But no, like, uh, you know, they just... That's why it would make so much more sense that they were just already friends, Adam. Yeah, It doesn't exactly. make any fucking sense. But okay, sure, he's super loyal, this guy. But then he doesn't come in because he recognizes Mateo. It just He just does it because, like, well, shit, I felt like it. Yeah, things felt bad. And maybe he recognized him right before he broke the window. Well, I'm sure, maybe but that's like, I mean, at that point, at like, window. you've already committed to an action that's based entirely on some weird gut feeling. Yeah. That could that have, have been based on facts. It could have been based on... Yeah. And, like, all those facts... The, the, the being friends thing is not super important, I guess. But, like, you know, the fact that he saw Mateo would ratchet up the tension, right? Yeah. Like that would add to, like, at that end, that, like, kind of final section where it's like, oh, that would shit, make like, it... I gotta get in there, I just recognize him. You know what I mean? Like, if he saw... If he saw Mateo enter the property right. from here, from the car he was sitting in, and then he knows that this is now a, a and so he mission. has to try to get in there without like yeah. alerting everybody. That's interesting. We call that interesting. Yeah, yeah. and that that actually builds tension. Mm-hmm. Whereas the way it happens here, uh, we get him breaking the window as a weird jump scare, and and it does scare Corey. Right, and the weird um, thing is, is that given the situation. We're in in the situation we're in. He could just as easily have been wrong. The audience knows he's not wrong. Yeah, but you know, which kills it because like the audience shouldn't know, or the audience should yeah. know, and he should know. And that's the thing. That's the and and it comes back to the same thing we were talking about with the with the security guard in the bathroom. Uh, this movie goes out of its way to make the audience try to feel tension that the characters aren't feeling. Because of dramatic irony, uh, but it doesn't work in this type of movie. Right, it doesn't. It doesn't that dramatic irony is not intended for the. Is not intended for, for heist films. Yeah, it just doesn't <laughs> it's not, work. It's not intended for direct suspense like that. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, yeah, I mean, it works in the opposite direction when the when the audience knows that the characters are going to do a thing that's going to cause tr- problems that. The other characters don't know. That creates suspense. But going in the other direction where, like, <laughs> the characters are oblivious to what's happening. It just is, uh, and is, yeah, it just doesn't work. Because, like, again, like, we we see the, the security guard, like, stand up a couple times. It's like, well, okay. It seems like his, his chair is a little uncomfortable. And nothing will come of it. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's just not a very good system. It's not. <laughs> it is not at all. So, yeah. Other than that, though, other than uh, the complete backbone of the movie not making sense, it was great. I mean, it was, <laughs> I mean, I, I I enjoy, like, the heist. I mean, I enjoy yeah. that element. So I'm not going to complain about that, yeah. but like it was, it's all wrapped in something that's kind of a little nonsensical. So it, it doesn't work yeah. great. 
I mean, also, why did... Why did Corey leave town, drive to this restaurant, and then clearly was already on his way back to Paris because he was already he had already gotten outside of the uh, ring of uh, uh, roadblocks? You know? Yeah, no. He just turned around at the restaurant. Whether or not he knew he was in there in the restaurant, and he says he did, um, but that's we, we he's got no, no reason to. I. <laughs> Now, obviously, by the time he gets to the roadblock, he suspects that something's going on because he, he makes the play of pretending that he doesn't have the key to the trunk. Um, but I think he does that, but, I think, but doesn't he also have guns in the trunk? He does also have guns in the trunk so that like, he already I mean, got very lucky once with, which have... is how I read that scene until he dr- pulls away and parks and says, all right, you can get out now. Right, and um, I thought I assumed that's the way we were supposed to read it. Basically, yeah. like up until we yeah. he gets out because like that is said, a way that makes sense. Because it makes sense, <laughs> yes. So, like, he really should get like all the way back to Paris before he discovers him or something like that. Yeah, but why did he make the drive? Why did I he leave know. Paris to begin? That's with? what makes it feel like it should have been a plan. Yeah, it, it, uh, and it would be such a minor change I'm to make it a plan. Getting, this is making and me more annoyed. So much more. If they knew each other, if they had this plan, all of this would make sense. Right. And instead, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Whatsoever. And and it, it actually it actually kind of upsets me. Like, it makes the movie yeah. less watchable because of the fact that you spend the entire time saying, like, why is this happening? Why is any of this happening? What is anyone's motivations? Uh, it doesn't even... Like, the money is not even a motivation for everybody. The whole job is on a back burner until Corey gets back to back to Paris. Like, he leaves town. He's been handed this job and then leaves town and then decides to go back. And then they do the job with this yeah. guy he just met. Yeah, no, it, I, nothing makes sense. No, nothing makes sense. This world is madness. I don't... I don't like it. Yeah. And I suppose, I suppose, ultimately, uh, three guys just falling together by chance, pulling off a jewel heist, is like strangers on the plane or strangers on a train. Uh, perfect murder, well, sort of thing. But like, you could like, make well, they a won't movie know it's us that because, is that. But, but this movie is but, not that. But yeah, this movie isn't that. Like, I'm okay with the idea of like, oh, we 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 assembled the perfect team, but. Strangers on a Train has a reason why they're able to develop that because they ride the train literally every day together. It doesn't yeah. work if you if you just happen upon each other in a trunk. Yeah. That's still yeah. nonsensical. <laughs> yeah. It is nonsensical. And I think on uh, us circling around it being nonsensical, we can probably yeah. No, we we don't need to, to we don't close. need to complain about this film anymore. So the red circle is nonsense and um, circle and circular and circular circular nonsense of red. <laughs> Le Cirque Rouge, Jean Pierre Melville, uh, from nineteen seventy is what we were talking about this week. Next week we were talking about Federico Fellini's La Strada, uh, which will be fun. Because as complicated as relation with our relationship with Fellini, any movie starring Giulietta Messini is my favorite movie. <laughs> um, 
with the possible exception of Juliet of the Spirits. Right, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but nonetheless, look forward to that. Thank you once again for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oitari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. listening to Lost in Criterion, a production of WithTwoBrains.com, hosted by Pat Dorgan and The Adam Glass, who also edits it down. Jonathan Hape did the music. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com. Look for us on iTunes, or reach out to us at facebook.com slash lostincriterion, or lostincriterion at gmail.com.